Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Flavoring Pete by Lilith Sanford Rushing. Sandy Myers always smelled like ripe peaches when he came home from work in the late evening. His mother didn't mind the peach smell, but she disapproved of Pete Burns, the boy whom Sandy rode to work with. Mother, Sandy said one morning as he waited to be picked up, I wish you wouldn't worry about Pete. He got me the job, and I appreciate it. Jobs for teenagers have been really scarce this summer. I sure like working in Flood's Orchard, especially during peach season. Flood's Orchard was about eight miles outside the city limits. It was one of the biggest orchards in the state, and now the finest peaches were ripe enough for harvesting. As Sandy stepped on the porch to listen for Pete's noisy old car, his mother joined him. Her face was bright and cheery. Son, she said, placing a hand on Sandy's shoulder, I shouldn't be concerned about Pete's influencing you for bad. You can influence him for good instead. Your influence can win out over his. Oh, Sandy said. He didn't quite understand. Mrs. Myers laughed. Well, you should be like an onion or a banana. When either of them is put in the refrigerator without a covering, the other foods take in the flavor. I remember one time when all our butter tasted like bananas. I get it, Mom. I'll try to flavor Pete for good. Pete's car roared up to the curb at that moment, so Sandy told his mother goodbye. Riding along with Pete, he tried to think of how to influence his friend for good. It's not going to be easy, he thought, as Pete drove past another car, almost crowded it off the road, and gave a mean laugh. They reached the big orchard with its hundreds of acres of fruit trees. The sun was warm, and a strong aroma of ripening fruit filled the air. A buzz of activity had already surrounded the long building where the fruit was sold, and long flatbed trailers pulled by tractors were rolling out toward the heart of the orchard. On board each of them were a driver, a helper, and a buyer. It was Sandy and Pete's job to be useful wherever they were needed most. Sandy ran to a trailer whose driver beckoned him. He noticed that Pete got on the one just behind. On both sides of the narrow road were trees loaded with fruit in varying stages of maturity. Bees were humming everywhere, and yellow wasps were making a feast of the fallen fruit. Soon, the tractor stopped, letting the riders off. Pete and Sandy picked the fruit and lifted the heavy baskets to the trailers. Sandy noticed that Pete wasted a lot of time kidding around with the children who'd come with their parents. As Sandy worked, he almost despaired of influencing Pete at all, for if he lectured him about neglecting his duties, Pete would surely resent it. Later in the morning, Sandy and Pete were asked to work at the main buildings. This was the hardest part of their job. When the peaches were checked out and paid for, Sandy and Pete lifted the filled baskets from the trailers and put them in the customers' cars. Such work brought on aching backs after a while. Sandy had been doing his job quickly and politely, placing the fruit carefully in the cars just as he was directed. He lost track of Pete's whereabouts. As loaded trucks began pulling in from the orchard, Sandy was told by his boss to work at the checkout center. A small distance from the office building was a long, barn-like shed in the midst of a grove of willow trees. This building had wide tables in it, and here the seconds of each day's harvest were put. These were the windfalls, or inferior peaches. Mrs. Flood, the owner, had told Pete and Sandy never to sell any of these seconds. Sandy often wondered what happened to them. Each morning when he came to work, he'd see this place empty. Yet, as the day went by, 
more and more inferior fruit would fill the tables. By the next morning, it would be gone again. Where did it go? As Sandy turned from lifting two baskets into a car parked near the second's shed, he saw a strange thing. Pete loaded one of the baskets of seconds into a car and put the money for it into his own pocket. It all happened in a rather sly way. Sandy just stood speechless. He knew that no helper or truck driver was supposed to handle any cash transaction at all. This was an office worker's job. Sandy wondered what to do, what to say. Did he have the courage to try to flavor Pete for the good? A truck driver who hadn't been far away approached Pete and Sandy, an odd look on his face. Boys, you'd better get back to work now. This isn't your rest period. He turned and went back to his truck. Pete hurried to his work, but Sandy thought miserably, I failed to use my influence. Later in the day, both boys were assigned to the orchard again. Sandy longed to say, Pete, how could you sell those seconds and put the money in your own pocket? Were you given permission? But every time he was near Pete, he didn't have the courage. In the middle of the afternoon, the climax came. Sandy observed that Pete was edging his way to the shed where tables were now filled with baskets of inferior fruit. He'd seen Pete talking in low tones to certain customers. Sandy thought he heard Pete saying, If you want a bargain, you can really get it here with the seconds. And when a purchase was made, Pete put the money in his pocket, looking about furtively to be sure he hadn't been spotted. Sick at heart, Sandy knew he couldn't keep still any longer. He went over to Pete. Pete, what are you doing? You're not supposed to sell any fruit, and I saw you pocket the money. Sandy felt his voice trembling, but he had gotten the words out. Sandy, mind your own business, Pete fumed. This stuff is just taken out and given to hogs. Hogs, mind you. Why shouldn't I make a little extra? Sandy was just about to answer him when Mrs. Flood stepped out from the other side of the shed and stopped in front of them. She was a slim, dark-haired woman with a kindly face. She wore a serious expression, though, and her voice was stern when she spoke. Her eyes were on Pete. Your name is Pete Burns, isn't it? One of my drivers told me you were selling this fruit. You've been doing a dishonest thing. Please go to the office immediately and get your pay, and don't come back. Pete began to stammer out how he thought it wasn't such a bad thing to make a little money on the fruit since it was just taken out and given to hogs. Mrs. Flood replied, It's true that the man from the hog farm takes a small amount that is impossible to use for anything else, but most of this fruit goes to charity places, to homes for the elderly, to orphanages, to churches where it is canned and put up for people who can't take care of themselves. The workers in these places sometimes stay up the whole night canning or making jams and preserves and jellies. So, young man, you are stealing from them, and I want you out of here at once. Sandy knew the moment had come for him to be courageous. His voice and his knees were both unsteady, but he did manage to speak. Mrs. Flood, please let Pete stay. I've wanted to influence him for good. My mother said it was what I should do, but I haven't had the nerve to say anything till now. Pete needs work so much. His mother is a widow, and he has little brothers and sisters. After this, if you'll keep him on, I'll see that he doesn't sell any more of the fruit. I'll try hard to help him do what is right. He stopped short, and his eyes fell before Mrs. Flood's intense gaze. Had he been too bold, too outspoken? Pete came to his side and put a hand on his shoulder. His face was red with shame, and he took the money from his pocket and placed it on one of the tables. His voice came thick and slow. 
Mrs. Flood, I... I've done wrong. But I know better now. I won't do it any more. I want to be more like Sandy. Please give me another chance, Mrs. Flood. Pete was humble now and repentant. Mrs. Flood's face lost its sternness. She said almost cheerfully, Pete, I'll let you come back, but I want Sandy to look after you, as he says he will. Remember, in honesty, there aren't any seconds. Turning to Sandy, she said, You are a true friend. After Mrs. Flood walked away, Pete smiled at Sandy gratefully. Thanks for going out of your way to help me. I really do want to change my ways. Sandy grinned, giving Pete an encouraging slap on the back. Boy, have I got some news for Mom, he thought, and I think she'll like the flavor of it. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.